Welcome back to the Such Things podcast, where we dwell on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. I'm David Lang, and it's so good to be back with you, back from a bit of a hiatus. Um, You know, you might consider this sort of a, a new season, season two. We're not exactly doing seasons on this podcast, but we are coming up on our one year anniversary and we're coming off of a of a hiatus here with a new series on uh we're going to be getting into the life of David some of my favorite material in the bible i am david but not that david but um we've got we're going to be looking at the book of first books of first and second samuel but before we get to david we're going to talk about someone very special today and to help me with that to get us kicked off here i have invited a special guest our first guest on the Such Things podcast. So far, it's only been me uh, and Lisa together. But today, we have author, minister, thinker, and my sister, Elizabeth Thompson. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like they're supposed to be like staged, you know, like audience laughing like, yay! (laughs) Maybe I can add that. If this was a sitcom. (laughs) I could edit that in. Not <laughs> that I pause. deserve that. I'm just saying it just feels like awkward <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> Do you usually get that on other podcasts that you No, I on? don't. I don't. Okay. You know, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I am very honored to get to be on your podcast. I love it. And I'm excited that you asked me. So. Well, good. It's so good. And, um, of course, the way we are doing this, our listeners, you will only be hearing our voices, but I get to see your face on my computer screen, and it's always good to, to see you. Now, I do get to see Elizabeth fairly regularly because she lives just over the border in Wilmington, North Carolina, about an hour and a half north of us uh, with her husband, Kevin, a great minister, man of God, friend, and their four children and their dog. Uh, Their kids are like my kids' favorite people in the world. So we get up there as much as we can. Um, But Lisa, uh, uh, Elizabeth is, I see, (laughs) I almost did it. I said, Elizabeth is with me today. (laughs) Elizabeth is um, just has such an incredible, you know, Elizabeth, you have such a great heart for God, but also a, a mind for God, a pen for God. You're a communicator of God, which I love about you. You have helped me. It's a number of key junctures in my life. And um, you're a writer. So I know people are going to love what you have to say today, and they're going to want to hear more from you uh, if they haven't already. So where, where can they go to find out more from, from your ministry and your your writing and all that? Oh, yeah. Well, I love connecting with people. Um, I write because there's a person on the other end of those words reading them. So I would love to connect with any of your listeners. Um, My website is lizzylife.com, or you can also get there by going to elizabethlangthompson.com. And then, yeah, I'm real active on all the usual suspects of social media, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, just look up Elizabeth Lang Thompson and you'll find me there. 
I have a new YouTube channel, actually. This, this ah. is a bit of an experiment for me because I just wrote my first uh, Christian book for teen girls uh, called All the Feels for Teens. And so I'm I'm venturing into the world of again. YouTube. All, all the Feels for Teens. For Teens, yes. Love I have it. an adult version of that book. Um, as you know, David, I'm a big feeler, lots of feelings, and I'm sure we'll really? talk about that today. Yes. But yeah, so you can find me on YouTube now, too. So it's kind Fantastic. of fun. Fantastic. So what are you... Uh, you know, since I'm your brother, you can you can share some some inside secrets. Like, what what have you been working on lately? What's next for LizzieLife.com? Yeah, what's going uh, well, on? Well, I am working right now on a book for Christian women mm-hmm. uh, called about broken friendships and so just hard. the challenge of what do we do when friendships drift or they fail or they fracture in some way. And that's something we don't want to say happens, Mm. but it sometimes does, even in a Christian faith context or a church context. And, and, and it's amazing how, when you start looking for that in scripture, you find a lot of examples of it and you find a lot of guidance. Thank goodness. Cause God knows that we are broken people and we tend to break things, (laughs) broken people, break things, and we tend to break our relationships and, um, so how do we navigate those difficult moments in relationships with grace, with forgiveness, with, um, you know, resilience and vulnerability, all those things. So it's kind of a tough topic to be honest. Yes, it it is. You, the uh, hard, deep topics. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you've been going for some of the, the, the deeper waters here with your recent yeah. books. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The last one was when God says no, I was like, that was mm. a fun, happy happy ride, but, but, but important because we all hear no from God. And, and in fact, you know, we're going to talk about that a bit today with Hannah. Um, oh yeah. I should, so I should, for our listeners here, that was kind of completed your, uh, your, your trilogy there, right. Of when God says, wait, when God says go. And when God says no, right. 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 And then you had uh, all the feels and now all the feels for teens. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Good stuff. Well, here's my, Practical reason for wanting Elizabeth here with us, other than that she's just one of my favorite people, and I, I, I feel that I, you're a kindred spirit in terms of how I think and feel and relate to God and His Word. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't think of anyone better to be my first guest than than you. But wow. but very practically, um, as the curtain rises on the book of First Samuel. And by the way, that is curtain rises, not raises, right? See, yes, Elizabeth is my you. grammar Very girl. Very much my grammar soul is. There. I went and looked that up. It's it's rises because it's uh, it's intransitive or something like that. So <laughs> as the curtain rises on the book of First Samuel, uh, we are immediately introduced to a remarkable woman named Hannah. And uh, Elizabeth, I really wanted you here to help me with this lesson. I've got some things I want to share with everybody. Um, but I, I, I want you to, to chime in and, and fill out this story. I think you've got a lot to add about this discussion from Hannah. I believe you wrote about her. I read your writing on her specifically. And when God says, wait, mm-hmm. correct. And you may yes. have written about her elsewhere as well. Yeah. I wrote about her, um, fairly extensively. And when God says, wait, and then I kind of revisited her a bit in all the feels exploring the idea of whether or not Hannah was a big feeler (laughs) or not. (laughs) So, 
Well, let's um, let's jump in. I'm going to get us started, um, and I'm going to read some scripture and set the stage, and then uh, we'll come. Elizabeth, you can come back in. So, just uh, we're going to be. I'm going to read some from First Samuel chapter one, but I have to first reference this one line to set the stage for us from chapter three, uh, verse one. It says, "In those days, the word of the Lord was rare." And I think we need to know that as we come into the story here, the, the story, not only of Hannah, but the whole world of, of first Samuel, this starting the time of the Kings. Um, it, it, that's, it's a bit of a dark time in Israel's history. In fact, we learn um, in, I believe chapter two, uh, we'll learn that those who should have been leaders and shepherds of God's people had become corrupt and used, were using their position as an opportunity to take advantage of the people. That would be Eli's wicked sons, the, the priests. But um, but let's go, First uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, and let's meet Hannah and talk here about Hannah's hurting heart. It says, there was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. You know, I will not attempt to give his whole genealogy here, but it continues. He had two wives, one who was called Hannah and the other Panina or Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And we'll pause there for now. Let's let's just comment here. And, uh, you know, it says that God had closed Hannah's womb. We we meet Hannah and, and we find this out about her and and that right off the bat that that causes me Elizabeth to scratch my head I'm like wait did did God close her womb like sometimes the scripture attributes things to God and I I don't know as a I'm not exactly a Bible scholar like man did God really do this um but that's what it says here nonetheless the the end result was her womb was closed and and then we find out that her rival kept provoking her irritating her that Elkanah had a had two wives um you know polygamy was 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 practiced widely in their day and age and um and she was being provoked irritated uh it says this went on year after year and even her husband he he tried to help her but he couldn't relate i mean I, honestly, I read his what he said to her, and I'm like, "Oh man, you blew it! I've tried that one before." <laughs> Don't pull those words more. back in, buddy. Yeah, buddy, you blew it. I trust me, that line doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but like, he didn't, he couldn't relate. You know, he's like, "Don't I mean more to you than telling children?" And he's trying. I think he loved her, you know, and, and hated to see his wife suffering. But 
he couldn't understand. I don't think that was probably not very helpful. And and here she is, uh, you know, after these years, feeling perhaps abandoned by God, certainly opposed by by uh, an enemy or a frenemy. This is this this other wife here, misunderstood by a friend or a spouse, uh, and it's dragging on. I'm sure she's asking, "Will this ever get better?" Elizabeth, what do you what do you think about Hannah's? journey here that she's on. Yeah. Uh, oh goodness. I mean, poor Hannah, but this, this was a rough time in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think we can, we can miss the, uh, the length of her suffering <laughs> if we don't really, cause this doesn't take up a lot of real estate in the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. it sort of sums up her, the suffering yeah. part of her story in a few paragraphs, but that those three words year after year. After year. year. Okay. Yes. So she had to watch this rival wife. They called them a rival wife mm. for a reason, get pregnant give birth, you know, nurse babies time and time again. And, and meanwhile, she's just withering away in her soul. And, um, you know, some of the research I did on Hannah recently, chances are, you know, it's hard to say for sure, but most likely Hannah was his first wife, was Elkanah's first wife. And then when it became clear that she was not likely to have children, uh, he took another wife to, you know, give himself some air. And, and so it's like adding insult to injury. Not only can she not provide the the children she and Elkanah desperately want and, and just have the family life that she, you know, a Jewish woman would have wanted to have, then it just gets essentially taken from her. And now she suddenly has to share her home with this other woman who clearly is competing for Elkanah's affections. And, and, and it, it would make sense if that's the case, because it seems like Penina is always trying to prove, Hey, I'm the more worthy wife. You may have been Mm. here, but here I am. And so just the pain and the shame that Hannah would have felt, um, you know, for a woman, there was no greater shame than to not be able to have children. And, and they did, I think, I think scripture more than giving us a theology on God causing suffering. I think that phrase, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb more reflects the way the Jews would have thought about it. They would have thought, you know, God did this to you. You must have sinned. I mean, Psalm 127 talks Hmm. about sons are an inheritance from the Lord. And so they really took that as well, it, you know, the converse is also true. If you don't have children, you're under a curse from the Lord. You've done something wrong. Search your heart. Like this is your fault. Um, oh, and just so to not only be grieving, but to have that shame, com- that have that grief compounded with shame would have been awful. And um, I really relate to Hannah, as you know, David, I mean, Kevin and I went through almost three years of infertility, not knowing why going to doctor after doctor who was just not helpful, (laughs) couldn't find answers. And, and I, I, I know this journey she's been on and I didn't go through it as long as she did. And I thank goodness, Kevin didn't, you know, marry some other girl in the meantime. (laughs) Thankfully that wasn't an option. Not that he would have wanted to. Um, 
But I do know what that journey feels like with God, the insecurity with God, looking around and seeing all of your friends get the thing you've been begging for, for years and wondering what's wrong with me, why her, not me. I mean, ugly things come out in your heart that you want to pretend aren't there, jealousy, envy, competitiveness. I mean, just so much bitterness and and we're going to see, yes. you know, as we go on and read yes. uh, how Hannah, how Hannah chooses to process this pain, but I really uh, connect with her. And, and, and as we'll see, you know, when you read more, I really respect the way she dealt with this. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's read on and we'll, we'll come back. I mean, cause the story continues and I think, you know, and even for, for, for men, listening, I think we can all relate to this idea of these trials that, that drag on these, Mm -hmm. these, these, these things that we don't understand. Why is this happening? And why isn't it solved yet? (laughs) And maybe you're in the middle of something like that even now, but let's keep reading because it goes on verse nine. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, so they had, you know, gone there to the to 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 make their, their offering before the Lord in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple in bitterness of soul. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. It says in, um, she was in bitterness of soul, weeping and praying before the Lord. And it says that um, she was in uh, deep anguish. It says deeply troubled. And then again, it says great anguish and grief. And, and by the way, again, misunderstood yet again by another man in her life. First by her husband, now by her priest. You know, another, he thinks, what's wrong with this? She's a crazy woman. She's, she's been drinking, you know. He misunderstands her. And as, as the years, I think sometimes as, as a trial, you know, days turn into weeks, months, maybe even years, as they did in Hannah's case. And maybe we continue to be even misunderstood. I think we can reach this place that she was in, deeply troubled, deep anguish. It says grief, you know, like trouble turns to grief, to grieving, like a loss. Now, through it all, we see even here that she she kept going back to God in prayer. And and we're going to talk more about that, more on her prayer life later. Um, 
But for now, Elizabeth, you know, talk to us about the anguish of, of how anguish, turn, you know, trouble turns to anguish, turns to grief. Um, walk us through some of that. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, those three words, the year after year, mm-hmm. as as time went on, uh, her grief deepened and and most likely turned to that uh, just a sense of despair, like, you know, where you're you're tempted to lose hope. And but what's interesting to me about Hannah is she does still have hope. She is still like yeah. <laughs> making this like epic vow to God, if you will hear me. I mean, she still has faith. Like she is in bitterness of soul, deep anguish and grief, and yet she's holding out hope. And I love that about her, that there is this stubborn resilience deep inside her that still believes after all of this, so many month after month of, you know, disappointment, year after year of disappointment, um, that she, she still believes God can pull out a miracle. Um, I really admire that about her. And that's something that I want to have, that even when I go through seasons that seem like they are never going to end and I'm never going to be okay, this one thing I've been praying about forever and ever may never get resolved. I, I still want to have that stubborn hope, that sense that, but God can. And and I love that Hannah had that. Um, the other thing I really love about Hannah is I think, and we're going to talk about this more, but that she was willing to fight for her faith. You know, um, it seems like Elkanah was so desperate to keep her happy that he would have done anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really it was the men who were required to be at these feasts. Like if mm-hmm. Hannah had said, Hey, I can't deal with this. Now, this yeah. Um, I need to stay home. You take Penina and all of her progeny with you. I'm going to stay home alone. <laughs> she probably yeah. could have gotten away with that. But, and this is just, you know, me thinking, but what we see here is Hannah went and she, she not only just showed up and like participated numbly as a zombie in, in the, you know, the sacrifice and sacrifice in the meal, she took this opportunity to go to the wow. temple and pray herself. Wow. Um, I think Hannah knew like, this is what is sustaining me. This, these times of worship, I may be miserable. My faith may be messy and confusing, and I don't know the answers, but I know what worship does for my heart and I still need it. And I'm going to put myself in that place where my heart can somehow be ministered to. And that little flicker of hope that I still have can be fanned, you know, back into flame for another year <laughs> if need be. I, I love that about her, that she kept showing up to worship year after year. You know, the longer I'm, I'm a disciple, the more I realize like, a lot of this 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 Christian thing is uh, keep showing up for God, <laughs> keep showing up, um, you know. And, and we'll we'll talk some more about that as we go. I, but I want to ask you know our listeners um, these phrases: deep anguish, deeply troubled, uh, grief. 
you know, I, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but I mean, let's just be real here. I want to ask you, is there, is there anywhere in your heart as you're listening to this where you're like, yeah, I, I'm, there's some anguish. Uh, I'm troubled. Um, I think some of us, like we're very in touch with that and we can, we can kind of sink into depression and that's not what I want you to do with this podcast. But I think others of us, like we just want to cover that up and just stay busy and just keep plowing. But I think it, it's actually helpful to acknowledge as Hannah did here, acknowledge like I'm, I'm in anguish about some stuff. Like, you know, I've, I felt that more Elizabeth, even I, you know, I'm you're three years older than me. And um, maybe I shouldn't have announced Good thing that. You're only 25. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> only 25. Exactly. Well, I'm about to out you for your age. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Cause I'm, okay. so I'm turning 42 um, this spring. So like, you know, since I've turned 40, um, this whole kind of midlife crisis thing, like I, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I really have been far more reflective on like, whoa, like, so all the dreams that I had when I was younger, like, are, are they going to happen? <laughs> you know? And I think like, this was Hannah's dream to be a mom, to have children, to build a life. And it's like, whoa, maybe is that going to happen? And, and, and I've felt some of that, you know, as, as a minister, um, plans that I had that God has just not brought them to fruition or taken them in a different direction. Um, and I found myself and then, you know, as, as Elizabeth, I mean, I, we won't talk too much about this, but you know, our dad is dealing with, with memory loss and some dementia issues. And man, a few years ago, I just was grieving that. Um, and, and, but I'm, I, and I, I think I'm learning to deal with that, but it's like, these things that go on, these trials that don't just resolve quickly. Those are the ones that, um, that I think we're talking about today and uh, that Hannah was, was dealing with. And I love what you said that she kept showing up and she kept praying like faithful prayers, like holding out hope. And I find that a lot. I'm like, in my life is, is, is good. My life is good. That's Nacho Libre. Say Nacho Libre. Like I do have a great life. I'm blessed. I have children, you know, beautiful, healthy children. So I don't want to be dramatic, but you do, you feel these things sometimes and um, got to keep showing up, keep a, a faithful spirit as Hannah did. And uh, Elizabeth, I'll read on unless you have something else to say on this section. Yeah, no, I mean, I just think she, Hannah knew how to keep herself filled up. And these Mm -hmm. times, as much as they were painful, um, they they must have been what filled her back up and kept her going, you know. And uh, we all got to figure out how do we do that spiritually? How, when we are in one of those long slogs of suffering, (laughs) um, how do we, how do we stay build up? How do we keep our faith from burning out? So, and in a sense, like, gosh, that's kind of where the world's been. I mean, this two years pandemic, it's like year after year. Did any of us expect that COVID-19 when we first heard that term would be a year after year struggle? Uh, I thought it would be like 
a month, I, you know. Um, but anyway, here we are. Yeah. And uh, thank God, I think we're we're beginning to be able to move forward. But but let's read on here. First Samuel one verse seventeen. Eli answered. This is right after her prayer. Eli answered, "Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of Him." She said, "May your servant find favor in your eyes." Then she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. I'm going to skip on down to verse 24 here. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour, skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Well, if that first part was about Hannah's hurting heart, I I call this second part uh, Hannah's bittersweet blessing. You know, God, God came through. Finally, God came through. He remembered her. Um, She has a baby, a precious baby, Samuel. But then she gives up the baby. She sends him to the house of the Lord. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, like this, this is not the happy ending that we were, you know, waiting on here. Why doesn't she get her happy ending? I honestly, I, I, this is a bit of a head scratcher to me. I'm like, wow, what kind of faith? Like I, I mean, Elizabeth, maybe you can illuminate us on this. I mean, you have some insight. Like, this is a tough one. Like, she gets what she waited for and then sends him off to the Lord's house. What in the world? Yeah. I mean, it it, it astounds me, too, because <laughs> I... I know that when God finally gave me my first miracle yes, baby, I remember. Um, my Cassidy, Cassidy um, born on Christmas night, 2005, yes. um, I could not have fathomed, you know, letting someone else raise her for me. Um, uh, you know, I, but Hannah was a woman of her word and, um, she stuck to it. And, you know, we do see that I, I, it always makes my mama heart feel a little bit, just a tiny bit better when I see that she would go up every year to see him and like yes, bring yes. him a new little a coat, a little coat. Wasn't it a coat? Yes. <laughs> I love that moment. So I'm like, okay, so she didn't like drop him off and never see him again, but still, I mean, I'm not at all like downplaying her sacrifice. Um, but you know, my my guess as a mom is she mm. chose to view this as an incredible honor that her son was being raised in the temple for mm. very special purposes. Um, I actually borrowed some lines 
um, when I was pregnant with Cassidy, our first, and with Blake, our second, I borrowed some of these lines about Samuel in chapter two, verse 26, it says, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and men. And that was what I prayed for my children in the womb, that they would grow, you know, in the Lord and, and in, you know, in, in God's favor, that they would grow in God's favor and, and, and be an influence for him among people. Um, and Hannah must have, that must have given her a, a different kind of joy, you know, um, who this is a tremendous personal sacrifice, but she has vision for how God is going to use his life. And, yes. um, yeah, tremendous well, you, woman of faith. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. And, and well, you're not the only one that borrowed those words. Uh, um, Luke borrowed those words as well. Uh, in describing Jesus, the boy Jesus, as he grew up, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And I do think that, right, that little nugget that Luke dropped in, borrowing the same words that you did, Mm -hmm. I do think is a testimony to what you just said, that Hannah chose to believe that this was an honor and that this boy was going to somehow you know, God had a plan for this boy. Mm. It turned out that this boy would be integral in the coming of the kingdom in the coming of King David and in the coming of the son of David, you know, the, the words that describe this boy were used to describe Jesus himself, you know, um, who knew. So, so anyway, we can, maybe we'll circle back to that, but wow. It's like, she, she somehow had this, this, faith um yeah there's a lot to think about with this yeah wow well let's i had more thoughts but i'm let, let's read on let's let the bible keep talking because i i, I we've got to get to this next part and, and maybe we'll have some time to circle back to all this here at the end i love it we need to read hannah's prayer of pain in chapter two and um, it's it's a prayer of pain, but it, it is a prayer of faith, of incredible faith. But we need, I want to read her whole prayer in chapter two, 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 11. I want to talk about her prayer life because we've been dancing around it, but we've got to, man, we've got to, we got to learn some stuff from, the, from, from this woman here. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. Oh, you know who she was thinking of there, by the way. That's that's Peninnah. For the Lord is a God who knows. Oh man, that's a good line right there. Mm -hmm. The Lord is a God who knows. He knows the things that they're deep, deep, deep in our heart that no one else knows. The pain that no one else knows. He knows it. Her own husband didn't know it. Her priest didn't know it. They couldn't understand it. He says, but... 
She said, the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The, the, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble, they're armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry, hunger no more. See, she who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli, the priest. These words of Hannah, the words of her prayer, this is the prayer of a long suffering woman who has seen much. This is a seasoned, mature faith, a battle-scarred faith. And she has, what I see in this, in the words of this prayer, is that she has come to put her trust completely in a God whose ways she does not completely understand. Elizabeth, I love that. She's like, you know, she's talking how God raises up, he tears down. And she's like, you know, she acknowledges like, we don't, we don't fully get you, God, comprehend you, but we honor you. And we still choose to trust you. And man, for everyone, all of us reading this, all of us listening here, like, man, can't we relate to this prayer? Like, I know I can, like, I am so glad that prayers like this are in the Bible because it vindicates much of my prayer life where I'm like, God, I love you. You're awesome. I don't get you right now, but you're awesome. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to keep showing up. Uh, Elizabeth, what are your thoughts on this prayer? Yeah, I, I love this prayer. Like everything that you just said, I echo and amen. Uh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think Hannah learned, and perhaps she learned this through her suffering, but she learned how to balance that precarious, in that precarious place where you're like, I trust you, God, but I honestly don't totally get it. I don't see all that you're doing here. And I think, I think we need to, (laughs) we have this misconception. I think sometimes as Christians, we tell one another and we tell ourselves, you know, one day this is all going to make sense. One day you're going to know why you went through this. And maybe you will. Maybe you will. But the truth is, if you didn't know why, would you necessarily feel better? Maybe Ooh. or maybe not. Like you might not like the answer. <laughs> even if. But like, to be honest, there are seasons of suffering in my life. I look back on and I'm like, still baffled. I'm like, I don't fully get the purpose of that. Like, 
God has not peeled back the curtain and said, these are my magical ways, not magical, you know, these are my mighty ways. Oh, mortal, I'm going to reveal my big plan to you. Sometimes I think God does peel back a corner of that curtain. Yeah. We get to see a few of those disconnected puzzle pieces click into place and we get a glimpse of God's grand plan. And I think Hannah had moments, like as she saw her son growing in the Lord and becoming clearly from a young age, a godly child with a, like the God's hand upon him. Like she saw pieces of the beautiful beauty of God's plan. Um, But I mean, she could have still been asking like, but God, did I have to suffer that long? Like, did Penina have to come into the picture for this to happen? Like, couldn't he have been just born my firstborn and been awesome? (laughs) So, you know, I think we, that's one of those hard things where we have to wrestle with God to that place where we're like, I trust you, God, even though I don't understand. And, and that's hard for me. I mean, my husband is a deeply faithful man, as you know, he's like, uh, he just like, that's, I think it's a strength. It's a spiritual strength of his faith and positivity and optimism. So even when we were going through infertility, like at the end of all our prayers, he would always end with, we trust you, God. And I, I am ashamed to admit, I would always be like, do we? In my mind, that is what I would be thinking. Do we trust you, God? Maybe he right. does, but I don't know if I'm there yet. I was fighting to get to the place where I trust God, trusted God in the middle of confusion and no answers and suffering. So yeah, I appreciate so much that this is here. Yeah. Well, and I, and I do want to say this to anyone who's been uh, having some prayers like this here. I think God loves Hannah very much. I, I think God, when he heard this prayer, I think God was so proud of her. And, and I think he holds this woman up. He puts her in the Bible. Yep. and says that. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Why? Because Hannah was a struggler, a fighter, a wrestler. And and, and that's what I I want to kind of bring us to here. We, We are wrestlers with God, strugglers with God. You want to know what a Christian is? A struggler with God. Uh, you know, I just want to remind everybody that, you know, the word, the name Israel, Israel. It, it, and I don't speak Hebrew, but from my understanding, it, it means one who struggles with God. If you remember your Old Testament, uh, Israel was the name given to Jacob after he spent the night wrestling with God or a messenger from God. And so he gave them this new name. Jacob was renamed Israel, one who struggles, wrestles with God. We're, we, the Apostle Paul tells us, we are Israel now. God is still looking for wrestlers, those who will struggle with him. I think that's why women like Hannah are in the Bible. God's like, that. that's, that's what I'm going for. He, and so I just want to share with everybody, keep wrestling. Keep wrestling. 
Get back in the ring with God, no matter what. Hannah kept praying. Hannah kept coming back to God year after year. You know, have you, have you tapped out? Have you left the ring? Have you tired of the fight? Gotten off your knees? Weary of this wrestling match? Get back in the ring. Take heart from Hannah. Take courage. Get back on your knees with your maker. Keep wrestling. You know, Elizabeth and I both ran cross country for the Harry Carey High School Imps. Yep, the mighty imps. And um, let me tell you, cross country was was you know it's an endurance sport. And I think I think this this Christian walk it's an endurance sport. And uh, but often uh, guys from the wrestling team would come and run with the cross country team because it was the off season for the wrestlers and they needed to stay in shape. And, you know, we'd have soccer players come run with us and and some other athletes would come train with us when they were in their off seasons or whatever. Let me tell you the ones who could endure the pain, the ones who actually were pretty good cross country, like crossover athletes. It was the wrestlers because wrestlers know how to subject themselves to ongoing pain and struggle. Guys, this is what this is when God chose, hmm, what am I going to call my people? How about Israel? <laughs> Strugglers, wrestlers. And so I just want to urge all of us listening. Have you left the ring? Have you tapped out? We got to get back in the ring, Elizabeth. And that's hard to do, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me about the way that Hannah wrestled in prayer was how she was raw and she was real with God. Like, I mean, weeping, you know, p- tears pouring down, being honest, like we even sense her bitterness towards Penina coming out. You know, she's honest about that. And um, that's right. But in the midst of all that rawness and realness, she maintained reverence. And and that's one of the big things that, for me, I take away from her example in her prayer life is, okay, when I am suffering and when I am wrestling with something with God that I don't understand, I think our temptation is to point the finger at God. Our temptation is to take it one step too far and say, you know, God, I don't deserve this and you are wrong for putting me through this. And I think that's where that's that line we don't see Hannah crossing. You know, we see her maintaining a respect for I don't get this, God, but you're still God and I am not. And and that's I think if you're in one of those wrestling seasons where you're like, what can I say? What can't I say? Perhaps Hannah's example can help you wrestle through that to okay, I can be totally honest about my question. I can ask my questions. I can, I can express my sorrow. I can express my grief, my bitterness, my frustration, just without pointing the finger, without turning my questions into accusations. And that is something that I have turned to time and again. And the Psalms, I think are helpful in this as well. You know, some of these examples in the Bible of prayer um, by people who are in pain that, they they learned how to walk that line and and we and God welcomes he welcomes that honesty um and Voskamp has this really great um 
passage in 1000 Gifts where she talks about the difference in lament and complaint and how, you know, in Psalms and, and, and even in Hannah's prayer, we see that they're lamenting to God, they're mourning, they're grieving, they're wrestling, they're struggling, but they're not complaining. You know, what is, what got Israel, the strugglers in trouble was when they started complaining. And, and, and so um, Hannah does a great job of lamenting with God all the way to the other side of that suffering. And, um, anyway, that's a lot. You can chew on that. That's, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. You can. Oh, that's good. That's so good. Lament <laughs> and complaint, but let's not talk about that. Cause that will convict me way too much. Um, <laughs> no, that's good though. And you know, for, for those listening, it, it's not just these times of pain and weeping. I mean, I'm thinking even this week, even my prayer time this morning. Okay. I, I was actually really praising God this morning. Um, you know, over the past few, even a few days ago, past few weeks, you know, I'm coming in, as you know, Elizabeth, into the, the teenage years, okay, with my kids. And um, and it's good and it's, it's exciting, but it's part of this midlife thing. Like I don't have little, little bitties anymore. We're facing some like real life stuff now, trying to help our kids learn to have their own faith. I mean, you know, and, and like, man, shoot, it's been so cool even seeing some of your children make Jesus Lord and, and, and even, even recently, very special, trying to help my kids grow in their faith. And man, there's been some frustration recently. Um, and just, so I found myself a few times, even just day, was it yesterday, day before, just crying out to God, like, God, I am praying for my children. I see the battle. I see the devil trying to pull them in one way. And I am pulling with all my might, but I, I want to do it the right way. I don't want to just be the angry dad, the frustrated dad, which I can be. So I've been praying, but it was so cool. Even this morning on the way to school, my son just shared some things with me in the car and he thanked me for some things that I said recently. And we prayed together and I was like, and I dropped him off and I went and took a prayer walk. And I was like, God, I guess my prayer worked. <laughs> like it's working. Prayer is working. It, you know, prayer works, y'all. Get back in the ring and pray, 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 pray. And if you're doubting the power of prayer, just remember Jesus. Remember the Lord. Jesus was a wrestler. We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him throughout his life. Hebrews says he, he offered up loud cries to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of, as you said, Elizabeth, his reverent submission. Jesus, like Hannah, was misunderstood by those closest to him. Jesus was provoked by evil enemies. Jesus felt abandoned by God. Jesus was long-suffering in prayer. And Jesus intercedes for us still. Every time we pray and we cry out and we don't tap out, but we keep crying out, Jesus is interceding. Jesus suffering, like Anna, did serve a purpose to bring you and I into God's kingdom. Hannah didn't know it, but her suffering would also result in a son who brought God's kingdom and God's word to God's people during a dark time in their history. 
her son, Samuel. It says, God let none of his words fall to the ground. He brought God's word to the people through Samuel. He paved the way for King David. And that's where we're going, who is a great, mighty wrestler, by the way, uh, in prayer. As you mentioned, the Psalms, Elizabeth. And then ultimately, King David would pave the way for Jesus, the son of David. So you just never know what God is up to in your pain. And I don't know that Hannah ever knew, but God was up to something. Elizabeth, it's been so good having you here. You got anything to leave us with here? Oh, I, I well, I, I'm just listening to everything you're saying. I'm like, amen. With <laughs> that that wrestling match, I think, I think we never we never stop doing that our whole lives. There's always something that we're wrestling for, um, wrestling with God over. There's always something on our hearts um, that we need to go to God about, and. Um, so I just appreciate the reminder, the passionate reminder to, hey, hang in there. That's that is the journey. The wrestling is the journey of faith, and it shapes us. It draws us close to God. Um, and I love, I just love that God includes Hannah's prayer here and prayers like this that basically are an invitation to us to say, hey, you can talk to me like this too. You can come to me too when you're confused, when you're sad, when. Or when you're happy, you know, when you're like you did saying, hey, thank you, God, you answered my prayer here. You know, I saw a little glimmer of hope in a conversation with my child. Like we are invited to take all of that, all the feelings, the whole process to God to share life with him. And and I, you know, this is just me. I don't know that I even have scripture for this, but I tend to think that the more we invite God into our lives, the more we say, Hey, I need you in this situation. I need your hand on this. I think the more active he becomes, he's like, Oh, I get more free reign. You want me in that conversation with your son. I'm going to show up. You want me there while you do this. Okay. I'm coming. I'm there. You know, I think he's saying, invite me in. I'm here. I'm ready to come in. I think you're right. Well, hey, that back to the opening verse, right? In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, but but not with Samuel. Mm. Samuel must have been a different spirit. He probably learned it. He had the spirit of his mother. Mm. You know, he let the word of God into his life. I love that, Elizabeth. Well, <laughs> I'm going to leave everyone with that beautiful thought from a beautiful person. I love you, Elizabeth. Thank you for being here today. Uh, go check her out, lizzylife.com, right? Mm-hmm. Check it out. Join me next time as we keep making our way through this book. And uh, ultimately, we're going to get to examining the life of David, a true champion God wrestler. So we'll see you next time here on the Such Things Podcast. Thanks for joining. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.